Welcome back, y'all. New episode of Threads and Dreads. For all you who've been waiting for new episodes, we just reset the <laughs> fucking passwords. You're going to be getting new episodes coming very soon. Uh, but as always, it's your Uncle P, Sean, on the boards. What's up? Uh, doing a nice, quick little banger episode here, though. What uh, a lot going on. How you been? How's the weekend? How is everything? Living it up, dude. Yeah, I was. Uh, I wouldn't. I was not living it up. Actually, I was. I took a couple of days off the booze. Okay. Much, much needed before my thirtieth birthday, which is tomorrow. Whoa! Yeah. Happy early birthday, dude. Thank you. So it's here. I just want to get it over with. And yeah, I took a little break. So I was just working all weekend and laying low. And I know you had a big art show. I was, I was gonna say I also ups and downs. You said <laughs> there were some ups and downs. Uh, Thursday, I definitely blacked out. We were not the kindest of downstairs neighbors because we were nailing nails into a brick wall at like 10 o'clock at night, which turns out is ultra annoying if you're not a part of that part. Neighbors aren't crazy about that. Yeah. So I did get a a little bit of a verbal lashing, well-deserved, because I was being a complete asshole. (laughs) Um, But I felt like it kind of worked because I almost felt like I got my blackout out of the way the day before the show so day of show i remained sober until the show ended which i was pretty happy about just because one we actually made some fucking sales which was a beautiful a beautiful thing normally i'm just kind of like lost in the mess and everyone who wants to buy stuff has no idea who to even talk to about that so it was nice to actually get some money in people's pockets. Yeah. Uh, and you take like a curator's fee or whatever? I didn't even know. Took nothing off oh. anyone. So I've actually did an astounding job of losing money during the show <laughs> um, and remaining sober, which is like a really cool way. Usually when I lose money, it's because I know I'm, those are your two favorite things is yeah, losing money and, and being sober. sober are like my two favorite things to do. But no, it was really fun. Um, <laughs> I was hoping it would run like all weekend. I had a very uh, optimistic dream that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday would just be nice big turnouts, but mostly Friday, which was huge turnout, bunch of people here, and everyone was honestly very respectful, which I felt like was really cool because like people outside on the front kind of drinking, and I was being sober my anxiety just took complete control of the reins. So I'm just like, oh, man, there's a beer can out there. Um, Just thinking of the worst case scenario. Meanwhile, I'm just in like a crack ridden area where the cops are like, oh, you're having a good event. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, there's enough people on the streets I can aimlessly arrest if wanted to. Yeah, I don't think they're too worried about you. Yeah. And... I mean, we ran till about 11.30 or so. I kind of had the time set at 10. We were, everything was going good, so we just ran it out. But yeah, it was a fun time. I mean, after the the beer I cracked open, after everyone left, was maybe one of the sweetest beers I had had yeah. in the last decade. Just because I was like, okay, we made it. I've earned I felt like I earned a beer for once. Yeah, it's like, it's, I know it sounds stupid. It's like having drinks on your day off, it almost, almost doesn't feel as good. No, you know? 100%. Like, Cause like, I didn't do anything. Well, unless you worked, unless you just worked like two weeks straight or something. Yeah. You know? And it's like, it was one of those things. Cause everyone just kept being like, dude, just have like one beer. Or something. And I, 
here was my thing. I knew my anxiety was just going to take over. And if I had a drink, I just had to have something in my hand. Yeah. So I was just crushed. I had never been more hydrated in my <laughs> entire fucking life than on Friday night. Um, but Friday went great. Saturday, definitely a lull. I felt very bad that, thankfully, Tommy, shout out Tommy, uh, came through and was DJing for that day. Yeah, I was going to ask who did that. But it was only, so Jason DJed on Friday, Tommy came through Saturday, but it was only like a handful of people, so I felt bad having someone come through, but we all just hung out, and it was a genuinely good time of everyone Dude. just kind of enjoying themselves for a little bit. Yeah, and, I mean, I'll tell you, if I wasn't working, I I would have been here. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds I mean, like a good time. I had a lot of people, too, that I felt that were like, oh, I'm so sorry I couldn't make it. And I was like, oh, it's totally cool. But it, it was nice that people were like, hey, dude, I was thinking about it. I wish I could have been and there. you were like, stuff. listen, dude, we're still buds. We're still buds. <laughs> Everyone, we're still buds. Um, Another show coming up anytime soon? So, hopefully. Honestly, again, with Staying Sober Friday, I feel like people kind of recognize that. Try and bring a little more legitimacy to this place versus it being, as I describe it, like the little rascals clubhouse, <laughs> where it's just a bunch of dudes getting drunk and like smoking in here versus me being able to actually do some business. So we got a couple of people lined up for doing podcast stuff. We got a couple of people in the works for doing some art show shit. So it made me feel good too on that front that it felt like I was actually doing some business, which kind of helped. Lost some money on alcohol from providing for people, but I also felt like silver lining. Some people saw some more legitimacy around here. Legitimacy, and you know, you're a fair amount of networking involved. Yeah, and like networking you said. and stuff. Oh my, dude, we're I gonna was, get some guests on here. I was literally just bouncing around from group to. It'd be like me talking to a group for about five minutes, laying down like two jokes, and then being like. All right, I'm off to the next group. There you I, go. The whole time, my eyes are just like staring out the window to make sure everything's okay outside too. <laughs> but I was excited. It turned out great. Everyone fucking came with amazing art. We got some some interesting pieces that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. But uh, everyone had a good time. Everyone enjoyed it. I'm super thankful for everyone who came through and brought stuff. Really happy that we could get some stuff sold for people. And honestly, a lot of it I told people, I can just keep this up for as long as you want and just price tags underneath. I'm just trying to use the space more efficiently than, again, it just being like a giant fort I built in the woods (laughs) to get drunk at. Well, yeah, and this is a good start, so. Um, But we got some other news because you know we can't steer away from some comic stuff. That's right. Um... First, lowest on the totem pole. We got the What If series coming soon from Marvel. So what Disney are they? Plus. You said there was some news about it, as uh, so, some leaks, some speculation. So we do know that the What If series is in canon now with the Marvel universe. So prior, everyone thought it was just one-off anthology things that didn't have anything to do with like the whole storyline. I think now they're gonna try and spin this into now that the timelines are all fucking scattered and going crazy. It's kind of explaining to people all the weird worlds that we're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so bit. I'm excited for that. I think that drops next week. Yeah, so it's soon. Yeah, I think it's next Wednesday. Um, we also got, I think we're getting a plethora of Batman shows coming to HBO Max. But the only issue is, I think we're getting shows from different universes. So since DC's done such a fucking absolutely fantastic job of connecting all their universes and we have like four Batmans at the moment. Um, we're going to get some shit from the Robert Pattinson Batverse. Yeah, I keep forgetting about that. It's coming. And, and the Ben Affleck one. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how DC kind of wraps everything together. They're going to be doing a Batgirl show with Barbara Gordon and they're bringing back J.K. Simmons for that world, I think. Yeah. It's a whole clusterfuck. And I want to see if DC literally ends up just... Like, if Warner Brothers just quits making DC movies at some point, or what they end up doing. We'll see. Yeah. My, my buddy said, he's like, you know, you got to give it to them for just, for just keep trying. You know, they yeah, just keep I mean, trying to make it work. And it's hard because you're... Especially for DC... You're looking up to the you're looking up to the LeBron James of movie universes. There wasn't they a, run Hollywood. Yeah, Marvel the, is keeping Hollywood afloat. One hundred and ten percent. If it wasn't for Marvel, unfortunately, big movie box office movies are like to the wayside. Yeah, I mean, like, well, I, I was just listening to a podcast today. They're saying they like I don't even think they were exaggerating. Like, there's there's more movies and shows being shot in Atlanta right now than Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, so it's, um, the industry right now is in a very interesting place and it's cool to see it, you know, take a cool little turn. Yeah. I think now, now with all the streaming services too, you get a lot more opportunities for people who originally could only go and do either big Hollywood movie, super small indie. And with TV shows, you have a very limited amount of channels I mean, I know cable has 10,000 channels, but it's like maybe 50 of those are even valid networks that you would yeah. want to have a show on. I mean, FX, for Christ's sakes, just plays the day after tomorrow, like five days a week. That, 100%, <laughs> if you have cable, you're literally paying to just see the same 10 movies and 15 shows. With ads. At, with, with ads <laughs> at all time. It's, MTV is just ridiculousness. Yeah, yeah. That's you know all they I mean? play on there. There's n all these channels just have nothing. So it's all these streaming platforms are the thing that's saving these shows and well, these shows and movies, because at least it's giving them a format to be like, hey, I know no one's going to the theater. No one's going to even art house theaters then, especially. So to get these indie movies up and running, it's like, yeah, if Netflix or Amazon or whoever the fuck wants to buy them is willing to like give you some money. It's like, yeah, dude, let's just pop it on here. At least we're going to get some views on it. And that's a good proving ground to see how you're doing. Well, speaking of streaming, let's uh, talk about Scarlett Johansson's little beef dude, with the Disney folks. It was going off. So basically ScarJo pissed. ScoJo. ScoJo is, Sco is pissed because of the fact her contract for the Black Widow movie was she was making back-end money off of theatrical release. So she was told via Disney that there was going to be a window that Black Widow is only going to be in theaters because that's where she's making 
the tail end of money from. I'm sure that's a good ass chunk of change, especially when you're the one movie in theaters that people want to go see. Yeah, you're a Marvel movie that is pretty much available for everyone was to this, see. Was this contract drafted like during the pandemic? Before? I after? think it was. I want to say it had to have been before the pandemic because I thought Black Widow has been in pre-production for a hot minute. Yeah, now. but like they weren't even like this whole um, you know people putting the movies on streaming services right away is a new thing a that started with thing. the pandemic. So it's interesting. So she was pissed because, like I said, she's promised this window. You know, even if it's fucking two weeks, if a movie's making you know five hundred million dollars in two, three weeks, if you're making back end off that on a percentage, making a fuck ton of money. So she was pissed that they immediately just released it on the on demand too. Right. Which eliminates a bunch of people going to see the movie. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think they were going to do that. So uh, I agree. I was kind of surprised because I thought the same way she probably did, that it'd be three weeks in theaters, probably two, three weeks on demand, and then after that, it goes into a little hiatus and then is back just streaming for free. So Disney nicks that, tricked her ass, <laughs> and she's pissed. Yeah. So she filed a lawsuit. But the thing I was thinking about at first, I was like, damn, you've been in this universe forever since fucking Iron Man 2. Yeah. And I, it was a little disheartening as a fan to be like, man... I always enjoyed the movies because I felt like the people in the movies were having fun. They were all kind of in a good relationship. You know, there's always like the Edward Nortons, the fucking Mickey Rourke's, the Terrence Howard's, the people like that who... The problem children. Yeah, I mean, but for you to have a cast of as many fucking stars and other people in your movies, to have three to five people kind of have a sour taste to it. And all those are early on movies, too. So for those people that have a sour taste, it's like, all right, these are growing pains. I get it. Honestly, three of the the three people I named are notoriously difficult people in the movie industry, anyways. So to hear ScarJo kind of go off on it was I felt a little heartbroken, but then someone brought up the great point of her contract's done. She's out of the Marvel universe. Yeah. Spoiler if you haven't been paying attention to anything, I guess. But she's dead. Yeah. So it's and she's not someone that is gonna come back. And she got to get paid. Yeah. So you gotta <laughs> get paid. This your her Marvel money is enough money for me to live three to ten different lives. Yeah. And be completely financially stable. So it's like, yeah, you're out of the universe. Why not just go and get go and get your bag? Yeah. And this and you, you know, I the, the whole Disney merger that didn't happen until after she was already in the universe, I believe, mm -hmm. or it was around the same time. So it's like it was, she has no a, a, a alliance. You know, what do they? What do you, what do you say? Uh, allegiance, allegiance to, to Disney. To Disney, that, yeah. I totally agree. I think she has allegiance to Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios. Marvel Studios, and I think even when Disney came out with their response, which was just kind of like the nicest version of like a go fuck yourself apology. <laughs> Kevin Feige was just kind of like, yeah, this like, I feel really shitty and I honestly feel kind of embarrassed because I'm sure that in everyone's mind that falls back on him. 
Yeah, and Scarlet's like, you can't kill me twice, so yeah, let's do this. Exactly. What, I'll, what I'll, are you going to fucking erase me from all 12 movies I was in? <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't give I, them any yeah. ideas. Bob Iger's like, could we? Yeah. <laughs> What's Iron Man 2 like without Black Widow? <laughs> um, yeah, though, I get it. Fuck them. Like, it's that was definitely a corporate move. Someone crunched numbers and... At the end of the day, they thought they were going to make more money to put that thing on streaming right off rip and be, you know, think that she just wasn't going to care about we'll it. We'll see what happens because it's notorious that Disney has like some of the, you know, probably the, one of the biggest legal teams oh, you know, when it comes yeah, to corporations. I mean, dude, Di- Disney's legal team is 100% just like the Legion of Doom. Yeah. What if it's like, like if you met someone, like, oh, what do you do for a living? Like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer for Disney. I'm like... Oh, okay. So you're incredibly wealthy. <laughs> Got it. You're you probably know every fucking legal loophole. Like that's what yeah. those Disney lawyers or, are doing all day or, is just finding yeah. fucking loopholes. Or he knows exactly like how much uh, someone or an artist can get away with like something that looks like Mickey Mouse until they can actually sue him. A thousand percent. Yeah, something like, like that. Those dudes are spending all day figuring out legal loopholes. Figuring out when they're writing those contracts, those. They got contracts that they know there's a fucking fine print and invisible ink yep. that they're they're straight national treasuring these fucking documents to <laughs> like, oh, well, if you would have sprayed lemon juice on the back and heated it up, you would have seen that your soul is ours. And now you have to work in the park. <laughs> like it. They, you see a black person in a black widow costume. Like, is that actually her? Yeah. It looks just like, wow, no, that looks could, so much like Scarlett I Johansson. She's her. like, I am Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> and they're like, you make minimum wage. Now take a picture with my daughter. <laughs> Seriously. She's probably like one contract breach away from doing flips on top of the Avengers assemble show. Yeah. At Disney now. Hey, we'll see. But that's, that's funny. Uh, well, we don't have a ton of time. We're doing a short little episode here. So the only other thing I wanted to talk about was this uh, this Hellblazer comic you let me borrow. How'd you feel about it? Dude, it was gnarly. Right? You read the whole thing, right? Yeah. Dude, I'm talking about some heavy stuff. So what we're getting into here, it's John Constantine, Hellblazer. Uh, it's a collection called Joyride. So basically what it is, it's issues 230 through 237. Uh, the actual Joyride issue, I think, is 233. But uh, the bulk of the story is... These entities uh, possess these teenagers. These teenagers kill this poor, like, two-year-old toddler. Yeah. The dad wants revenge. These crazy, weird, wealthy, rich people promise him he can get that revenge, and they buy him a nice little house in the countryside. And the way they get the revenge is through the form of possessing these kids' bodies, and they have them basically kill each other. Yeah. And then, but the other, the kid that, you know, is he's possessed, uh, that the father possessed, they make him rape his own sister. And oh, so yeah. then when he comes to, his mom's like, how could you? How could you? She's like, well, he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, he's, she's your sister. And next thing you know, she's like, she's got the blanket, you know, and he's getting hauled off in cuffs. And he's like, oh, I, I, I don't even remember doing it. Yeah, it, it is. That shit was heavy, man. This is where, I especially like the Vertigo era of these comp, of this dark universe for DC are so, I mean, the first fucking four or five pages is him basically almost chained to a fucking pier yeah that was cool like to the bottom of a pier waiting for the tide to come in and him to die and it's like it it's a darker tone and it's obviously not more realistic but it has more realistic elements if that makes sense people behave the way that i feel like a regular person will behave 
in these versus in a Superman comic per se. Yeah, and he's snarky and it's very cinematic. Like it's not so yeah. much like a comic book. It's it feels more like like a storyboard for a movie. You know, it, it feels like a storyboard for a movie. It has that very independent comic vibe yeah. too. Of you're in it more for the story and less for big splash pages of Superman fighting Zod or something. Yeah. You're in it for what the fuck is happening. The psychological stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, my God. So, like, I did a little dive on Constantine, learning more about the character. Yeah. I didn't realize this. That uh, Swamp Thing comic I showed you where he showed up, that's his first appearance. Is they it? They created uh, Alan Moore and I think it's Steve Basanti, the, okay. the artist on it. They came up with them. And the whole thing was they wanted a character, a cool British Ghostbuster that looked like Sting. That's yeah, who they modeled they him after. Yeah, they based off Sting. <laughs> yeah. And it's... I mean, Constantine is truly who every punk kid kind of wishes to grow up to. Hell yeah. Because he does have, early on in his backstory for Constantine, he is in a punk band. They flush that out all throughout. You know, they're always bringing it back. I forget what it is. There's probably a flashback issue, though. Because they said he doesn't show up until that Swamp Thing where he's literally just like... I'm here should, now. Yeah, you should. Hey, I'm in. Uh, I have entered the chat. You he know? is. He is that cool, swaggy guy, though. Where it felt like he had been around. It, That's how it cool. It felt he was. like he's always been there, yeah. and he's not someone. It's cool to have someone in a comic that isn't just ultra bulked up, isn't in this spandexy suit. It's almost like a tangible person that you think you could be. Oh, and like. You know, what's cool is he, you know, shortly after that appearance, he got his own title. Yeah. And that ran for 300 issues. I mean, it had, Hellblazer had a good run. And it's, dude, also, I mean, he's just ripping darts the entire time, which <laughs> yeah. is, for any kid reading, you're like, yep, I know he's cool because he's smoking cigarettes. Yeah, like all the, I mean, those are the coolest panel drawings where it's like dark and then he just lights up his lighter, you know, and illuminates him, you know. Oh, it's, that. he has, there's such this, like, darkness to him as a character that him being a good guy is so wild to me that him to be like this i wouldn't even call it an anti-hero because he is truly a detective almost there was a panel that i really liked in here when he goes to the uh, british national museum and uh it was something about like you know like the whole like colonialism background kind of deal i think i went a little too yeah far. positivity but he uh oh there's Certain panels in there that I wish, I wish I had like, I've never been one to have big panels framed or like original artwork that I'd want, but I, a Hellblazer, John Constantine, like OG draft drawing would be so fucking cool. That would be cool. While you're looking for that, uh, side note, I had someone in the shop the other day who was telling me his grandfather was actually one of the people back in the early 90s was printing Marvel posters. Okay. And that he has some of the originals from like the original screen prints of them that still have all like the side markings to like the color check shit. And I was like, dude, that would be something. He was just an artist hired to do them? His uncle was the printer. So he wasn't the artist for it. He was the guy who was like actually screening the posters and like getting them printed. So he has. And like, they're numbered? They're, I don't know if they're numbered or what exactly they are, but he said he has a bunch of these like test print basically for the posters. And I was like, even just seeing that would be super fucking cool to me. That's badass. 
So in this panel I was looking for, he goes to the British Museum to talk to one of the professors who kind of gives him a little insight oh, yeah, into like yeah. artifacts and stuff like that. There's always like a guy at a museum yeah. who's like, yeah, I do like uh, curating here and I'm also super yeah. into black well, they, magic. Well, they bring him like one item and they go, what can you tell me about this? And they know everything about yeah, it. Yeah, Oh, I actually happen to specialize in just this. Yeah, I wrote three books about yeah, it. It was yeah. this German, Germanic like nomads. So he goes, uh, shows up. It's the British, the British Museum, the last bastion of a lost empire. This is where we drew the line and said, "Fuck you, we're not giving it all back." Yeah. <laughs> that makes you think of like Black Panther when they go to the oh, museum and yeah, there's you know, always take like, shit back. I mean, half the stuff in the British Museum is like from Africa. Oh, all <laughs> like, the, it's crazy. All these museums just stole. Western Europe was ultra lacking in culture, and we're just like, you know how we get it? We could probably just steal it from other places. Yeah. Like what? And then charge people to see. Yeah, and then you will charge you. Why would you want these cool Egyptian artifacts here in Egypt yeah. when they're going to look so much better in London? <laughs> I do like the Egyptian stuff at Cleveland Art Museum. They got some really cool, like they have a sarcophagus and stuff. Very cool. I fuck with the art museum. Oh, the art so museum's. What? On a side note, because I know we're a little limited on time, but we were talking about this the other day with the Guardian shit. Yeah. What's your number one Cleveland attraction? Well, it's funny you say that, because, um, you know, working downtown, I'm constantly, especially lately, people coming from the Rock Hall, like every day, <sighs> laying droves. And so, and I love the Rock Hall. My mom actually just got me a one-year membership, which is kind of cool for my okay. birthday, so I can go whenever for the next year. See, and uh, but, but when they come, I, I make a point to tell them, like, the, the Rock Hall is great, you know, but... Really make a point to go see the Cleveland Art Museum. And then also up there in University Circle is the Crawford Auto Museum. And there's a lot of awesome stuff there, too. I mean, and even in that hoyer, you also have, like, Natural History Museum yep. and... Planetari there's a planetarium, planetarium there. Planetarium over there. See... The, uh, I, the garden, Botanical Gardens. Here, oh, I focus. That whole University garden. Circle is like... I mean, yeah, it's not downtown, but I go get in your car, drive 15 minutes down yeah. the road, and go check it out. See, here's my beef with the Rock Hall. And I know I'm a very novice... I described myself the other day as a fool of sound, <laughs> that I, I just know nothing. Yeah. I only know what, in my ears, I can perceive as, like, the vocals. Yeah. But what more... I feel like the Rock Hall, to me, seems like a, a very big costume museum. It which is. Which I like. It is. But I feel like after a couple trips, are do they do a lot of, like, special things? They do. Are they bringing... And are they bringing back concerts? They... Uh, yeah, they do. Con they have indoor and outdoor stage. They are yeah. doing live music again there, which is cool. Okay. They have a new, a brand new thing where it's called the Garage Band Experience or something, where they literally have instruments set up and you can just go in and jam with whoever else is at the museum that day. Because that's why I felt. See, I fuck with that. Like, yeah, that's a relatively new thing and it's a big hit. And they, I, yeah, they they have rotating exhibits. They change out every like three months. I was just saying, I felt like because to me, a lot of times when I would see it, it would just be like, yeah, it's just people being like, yep, that's that guitar, like, and. First time seeing it, you're like, very cool. Yeah. But second time, you're like, Pete Townsend's guitar hasn't changed at all. No. What's the, <laughs> what's the deal? But yeah, I wasn't sure how that worked with... Because them having shows, obviously, huge draw. I totally... And that area is a nice area to be in for like a show because you yeah. can kind of be outside. And if you're a local band and like if you're outside or inside and people see you, I mean, these are people from all across the country. I was going to say, I feel like it's a very good venue you never for know who's watching. local bands. It's very cool. Well, we got to wrap it up here on Comics Corner, but thanks for hanging out with Dude, us, guys. As always, Instagram.com backslash threads and dreads pod. As well as if you want to hear some exclusive episodes, you can go to patreon.com backslash threads and dreads. 
donate $5 to us. Then we'll be at 10 whole dollars. And you can get some fun episodes. We're going to be getting some more episodes going. We're getting a schedule on track. We're going to get some other people in here. We got a three mic system. It's going to be crazy. Thank you for listening. Sean, thank you for coming through, squeezing an episode in on the day. My pleasure. And we love you guys. Catch us next time. Peace.